Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, I want to just let you know, you might have heard us in the past talk about Clinic Gym Connect. Clinic Gym Connect has changed its name and is now called Trust Driven Care. So you're going to see more and more information about that because that is our badass software that does so much for your office to help you communicate with your patients, build that level of trust, eliminate no-shows, eliminate reschedules, and provides a host of other awesome awesome features. So we hope you check it out. Again, it's called Trust Driven Care. You can check it out at trustdrivencare.com. And we think it's a whole lot better software. And every once in a while, we'll talk about some of the great features it has because we have worked to improve this dramatically. So CGC or Clinic Gym Connect is out. Trust Driven Care is in. And we did that so that we can expand who we talk to and who can help their patients get better, build trust, and grow their office. So Hope you check it out at TrustDrivenCare.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. This is Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited for you to be on this journey. Look, when I started my Clinic Gym Hybrid back in 2013, I didn't have a place to go for resources. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. I hope you dig this interview. Let's jump in. Boom. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have a great guest today, Dr. Justin Rabinowitz. Justin, how are you? Wonderful. How are you today? I'm great, man. I really appreciate the time today. For those who uh, were at our event in Parker, in Dallas at the uh, Parker Fit Facility, you saw Justin speak on Sunday. I think it was a fantastic presentation. I think it opened a lot of eyes. I certainly got a ton of questions about it and whatnot. Um, but I wanted to bring you on the podcast for those who weren't able to join us that weekend because I think you have the missing link to the clinic gym setup, which is you got to have a sales and marketing engine, and you are a pro at that. So with that, Justin, can you introduce yourself and tell everybody where you're coming in from? Yeah, and, and even before I do that, I wanted to publicly say about that Parker Dallas um you know, sort of sight unseen, I had reached out to you asking a question about something else. And you're like, well, what's going on? And I told you, and you're like, why don't you come to Dallas and teach? And, you know, I remember when I opened my practice, Strive to Move, there was a gym that it's very similar, like sight unseen, just trusted me enough to let me in. And that sort of got me going. And I think about you as one of those people in this business for me. So um, thank you, first of all, really, really appreciate it. Like you didn't have to do that. Um, and I appreciate as, the kind words. But as the program grows, I've always been somebody like that. I'll always remember where I started. I think about in our practice and you're one of those guys that I think like, all right, he put me on type of thing. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So I'm from New Jersey. We have three practices here. We have a Strive to Move, which I opened in 2015. It's chiropractic and sports sports rehab, rehab chiropractic. I have another practice, which I which I partnered in with Dr. Allison Heffron, which is chiropractic and acupuncture. And essentially, she runs the business. I run the back end, and you know that's we have a, a good relationship that way. And then I have a functional medicine and nutrition business. Um, obviously, now I've sort of moved and uh, moved out of clinical practice into coaching and consulting. And we talked about before for the podcast, uh, business school for the rehab Cairo. And, you know, as you sort of said, trying to solve the problem of helping these rehab chiropractors actually make money and make a living doing it. And that's, that's the thing I go to bed thinking about and wake up trying to do every day. That's awesome. Yeah. I think you, you just called it out by name, but there's that disappointing, I guess, dichotomy in the world of, of chiropractic. And you see it in physical therapy too. I'll use physical therapy as the first example. Most of the business, the successful businesses are run by, you know, clinic directors who work for a hospital system or a large group of orthopedic doctors. And the care is driven more on what the repayments are rather than what does that patient in front of you need right now. The time is written, is, is run by the administrators and everything. Uh, that layer gets removed or, or combined with the treating physician in most chiropractic rehab offices, right? They're like, I'm the person uh, and the administrator and it's like tearing at their heartstrings, like this person needs more, but how do I make money doing that? And unfortunately, in the world of chiropractic, you see a ton of the most successful businesses are the ones that are seeing 200 people a day. And it's like, there's, there's no way, there's absolutely no way you're giving great rehab. And it's questionable if you're even rendering a diagnosis, you know, essentially, it's just the same seven adjustments or whatever to get people in and out. So it breaks my heart that the the best care is often hidden behind these businesses that are barely making it. But I am super appreciative of the fact that you're getting out there and trying to help people out. So uh, 
can you talk a little bit about, since there are some people listening I know have not heard of you before and whatnot, talk about your backstory and when you, because I think you went through the same struggle, right? And that's what inspired you was like, you wanted to learn the TPI model and SFMA and deliver the greatest care. And then it was like, like, I don't have two nickels to rub together afterwards. Yeah. And so I started in 2015, like most of us that open a practice after associating, we open up and uh, just copy the model that we worked under and usually charge less because we're new, um, which is great until it's not great. And I ran into the same problem that I see people that I coach now in that I was so just worried about getting it off the ground and getting a few patients in and making a little bit of money that I never stopped to actually do any projections. And at the time, you know, I, I was 30 minute sessions, 60 bucks. And if I actually stopped to do math on that, I would have realized like there's no way that this is possible. Uh, that in that on top of, you know, I was still billing out of network insurance in New Jersey. And, you know, it was one of those things where I was open for like six months and we would get decent reimbursement from some people. Um, and then overnight, December 31st to January 31st, it literally went from like, it, it cut by 90%, literally 90%. And that was like the first moment for me where I sat down and I'm like, am I going to, is this the game I'm going to play right now for forever? Um, and dumbly, I still did for a little while because it wasn't that bad. It wasn't bad enough. And then in 2018, I think I might be getting my dates wrong. There was a big push in New Jersey to have Blue Cross go, go to Ash which we all know how that was going to go. And it actually didn't go through. Thank you. Thanks to the New Jersey Chiropractic Association because they were going to limit OT, PT, and Cairo. Cairo was the one that got it, but it didn't go through. However, I was like literally nervous every night going to sleep. Like if this happens, what am I going to do? Like we're going to go out of business. I have a staff, I have rent and all of that. And it was then that I was like, all right, I'm not doing this. Like I'm in business for a reason. I want to sort of have control of my situation. And I've got to figure something else out because I, I literally, it's like one day the governor could sneeze or the senator could get mad and, and everything goes yeah. away. And it's like, I'm going to live my life based on that. And I just couldn't accept that anymore. And so that's when I went on this journey, sales and marketing so that I could be in control. Yeah. It's almost worse. I, I mean, it's almost better if the governor comes through on one day and just drops the hammer and says, this is what's happening. Because that emotional change from one day to the next of like, get completely wiped out your business Oftentimes when that amount of emotional change is spread out over a two-year grind of like reducing, reducing, you need a pre-auth here, you need a, we need a functional outcome assessment there, blah, blah, denial, and it's just eroding, eroding, eroding. There's no single day where you just throw up your hands and you just yell like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to take this anymore. Uh, when it's spread out over two years, you see, I'll tell you my experience, we, we were billing Aetna and on average, our average visit when I was first in practice was $121 a visit. You can make a pretty good living doing that, right? Within two years, going through the Affordable Care Act years or Obamacare, it went from 121 and the same insurer was paying us then $61, so 50% loss. If that had changed over five years, I might not have noticed it. But that drastic change was like, we got to figure out something. And that's where we added, when we added the gym, because we're like, we got to do something else. Either we got to catch more on the front end or build a better back end system. So we chased the back end system. But that was the birthplace, was that big change. So, you know, I'd tell anybody, listen, if I would have gone to you the day you graduated chiropractic college and be like, Justin, uh, you know, you're going to get to, you're going to make a hundred grand your second year in practice. And your fifth year in practice, you'll make 80. And then your eighth year, you'll make 60. And then by your 12th year, guess what? You can make $41,000 a year. You'd be like, you're insane. I would never do that. And yet that is the system people are building when they take insurance and then start chasing it, right? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, maybe the repayments are the same. But when the paperwork's more, you got to hire more staff to fill out the FOAs and submit them and then resubmit the claims that got denied and then do this. Add that all up. And you are get, you're not getting a raise every year. You're yeah. not. And so you, you, I'm glad you broke free of that and have lived to tell the tale because people got to wake up, man. And, and to your point in that situation, some people, they're going to, yes, make less and less and less. But like in a new practice situation, you actually might not feel it because in the beginning, volume-wise, you're so low. 
that like you're not you're not seeing any patients. So the next year you see more volume, but the reimbursement goes down and maybe you make the same or even a little bit more, which can happen to someone in practice two, three, four, five years in. But like as I teach and I and I hammer this with people, there's three ways to grow a business. One of them is increasing volume, which we all have to do, but that's the old chiropractic philosophy of more patients, more patients, more patients. Yeah. But uh, increasing the amount someone is paying or you're getting and then selling them other services, which you just talked about, Josh, in the, you know, the clinic gym hybrid type thing. Those are the three ways. But in our world, it's always about just more volume, more volume, more volume. But if you're running a business where you're consistently making less money per customer, that is a horrendous business model. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know you've been working on solving that problem and, you know, you offer coaching classes, everything on it. Today, I want to talk and dive into a couple just clear questions. First things first, here's my question and love you to talk a little about this. I think that if you compared marketing and sales, so who can talk about why they're in business or why they do a certain type of rehab or why they use a certain, you know, why do I use McKinsey model or the SFMA or whatever? Most rehab chiropractors are pretty good at marketing. I think it could be systematized a little more and obviously get more penetration, but pretty good at marketing. But sales asking for the Hey, I want to close you right now. You know, I'm using closing. It's a yep. prescriptive selling environment. Here's yep. my recommendations. Let's move forward. Yep. Getting to that closing or that sale is where they are drastically lacking. Drastically, right? And it can come to a lot of things. Like we didn't get into this to sell, but it's like, cool. You might not have got into surfing to swim, but it's kind of half of the equation, right? <laughs> like yeah. everybody wants to ride the wave in. Nobody wants to go through the waves on the way out. So you've got to do that sale. Um so I'd love you to talk about when you kind of learn that and what big steps you have to kind of guide people through, hey, you got to sell and here's some tips to make it more palatable. Yeah, I think um, as we sort of work towards the end of an eval where we're going to prescribe a care plan for somebody, one of the things to think about is you have to sort of build in the story and the reason why. And the way that we talk about that is, is in phases of care. And let me go into it and then I'll sort of back off because I know what people's objection is going to be. Um, when people are coming to see you and you say you need 10 visits, 12 visits, 15, without any other context, the next question should be why? Like, why do I need that? And so people, we believe people want to be led. They want to have a plan. They want to know that you know what's going on. And so something that we very much are, are cognizant of and we use it on a whiteboard or a piece of paper is saying, all right, Sally, you need 12 visits and here's how they break down, right? The first phase of care is the get you out of pain phase. And so we want to make sure that in these first four to five sessions that your back pain decreases by X amount. That's our goal here. The next phase is going to be um, a stabilization phase. We just put a name on it where we're going to do basic exercises. And so we'll say, remember that bridge exercise we did there? We're going to make sure that you understand how to do that. Now that you're feeling good, we're going to get you strong. And then our last phase is going to be that integration phase where you know how you told me, Sally, that you will go to the gym and you want a kettlebell deadlift? Like We're going to work with you on that, building into all of the things that we did prior to that. And, and so to kind of go into it more, we'll say where we sort of differentiate ourselves is on that third phase. Because if you went to basic PT or basic Cairo or somewhere else, they would just get you out of there once you're doing a glute bridge. And what we found is that the people that come to us, they have to make sure we, they, they, they come to us because that didn't work. And so they need something more. They need something else. And so in that conversation, I'm very much giving them a game plan. Here's how it's going to go. Here's what we expect to happen. And here's why you need X, Y, and Z. Because the biggest objection that we'll get from a practicing Cairo is like, oh, well, after they get out of pain, they don't want to see me anymore. And I would always say, well, what are their expectations? If they're coming in to get out of pain and they get out of pain and that's all they know, of course they're going to leave. But here it's like, oh yeah, we're going to get you out of pain. And it's almost like, of course we are. Like, and that's easy. Anyone could do that. It, almost like poo-pooing it to say like, yeah, of course we're going to get you pain. Like, by the way, you could go somewhere else that's less expensive. You could take Advil, you get an injection. Like, that's not even the purpose of what we do here. And if you think that's who we are, like we miss something along the way. And so, and again, I always, people could still say no, but my question would always be when someone says they just want to get out of pain, it's like, yeah, but what have you explained to them? Like, if you know it and they don't, we're, we're you know, we're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, and I want to be, uh, you know, 
I hope this podcast, we're, we're guiding people through it at the same time being sensitive. Like we've heard these objections and I've fallen, I fall prey to that sometimes as well. You know, like people just, they, I've asked people three or four times, what's your goal? What's past the pain law? And they just want to sit there just saying, I'm out of pain. What I've learned is that's their placeholder. They're saying, hey, pain is stopping me from everything. And they're also saying it's so pervert, it's so crazy, and, and it is involved in every aspect of my life where I can't filter out what I want to do from how I feel, which in some sense is great because they're saying it affects me all the time. Because if you, somebody said, oh, I, I only have knee pain when I run 18 miles and I only run 18 miles twice a year, it's like you're going to have a hard time selling them on care, yeah. right? But on the flip side... I've also been in practice long enough to know that when you get people out of pain, two, three, five months later, if they're still getting treated, they're still coming in the gym, they're still doing all this other stuff, the, oh, by the way, those stories are so incredible, right? Oh, by the way, when I first saw you, I couldn't touch my toes without pain, and now I'm doing Bikram yoga four times a week, right? And I love it. I absolutely love it. Changed my life. My wife and I do it all the time, blah, 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 or, hey, I... You know, my hip hurt whenever I walk more than 10 minutes. Uh, it was killing me. And now my, you know, my brother and I are, are I had a patient uh, a couple weeks ago. My brother and I are, are training to go deer hunting in Colorado. And we'll be walking six miles every day, you know, in the mountains. Like when you hear like when they got past pain, all of a sudden they realize, oh, what I want to do is go deer hunting. What I want to do is, is do this yoga class. On the front end, you got to deal with that because that is uh, – that is what a lot of people do, but most of the, I would say 95% of the time when you get people past that and they start clearly thinking, they want to achieve and they want to move and they want to do things. So have faith and get past the pain and, and validate it. Say like, look, you and I are both in the same boat. We want to get rid of that pain, but we know there's something after that as well. I think potentially you mentioned marketing and sales together. And I think that's exactly right. Like we always speak about them together, but what might be helpful because if someone's listening and thinks, oh, but like, what about the person that calls up today and has an emergency like back pain? Well, our, if you go and look at our marketing, our marketing message is not for that. It doesn't mean that they don't call, right? It doesn't mean that those people don't come in, but that's not who our practice is for. And so if someone, I tell my team this all the time and, and I've had to like kind of coach them out of it because we're like, well, what do we do with that emergency person that calls? I was like, you put them through the process, you tell them we can help them, you tell them the cost. And if they come in, that's amazing. And if they say too expensive, you don't take my insurance, you refer them to somebody else. That's not who we built our business around. The majority of our patients, 90% of our patients, they're not like, didn't wake up that day with 10 out of 10 back pain. They've been dealing with it for one, three, five, eight, 20 years. They've gone to Cairo, they've gone to PT, they've done ACU, they want to live a certain lifestyle. And so that's who we market to. And so our customers, our patients that come in, we're crafting the message around that. And so if your sale, uh, the sales is way easier if your marketing is good, right? And so they work together. And so if our marketing manager does a good job at her job, and then the front front end does a good job, the doctor has a very easy sale, so to speak, yeah. right? Because everyone has come in saying the same message. Uh, we have our perfect patient in the door. Um, and I can kind of go into my business now as a rehab chiropractor. People have always said, people have said to me, like in my podcast, you know, I, it sounded like you were talking to me. I was like, well, yeah, but it's pretty easy because I just talk about myself and you and I are the same. And so the messaging and the marketing is quite easy because it's just me talking about my situation. Like I'm not speaking to the subluxation chiros because I don't want them to listen. I don't really care to be honest with you, you know? <laughs> well, luckily you're not going to listen to them either. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, to your point about the, the marketing I, or the, the emergency person that comes in, I remember talking to our, we're mutually, uh, appreciative of Greg Rose. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me when, you know, he started out, in Washington, D.C., he would always say, our practice is for golfers, our practice is for golfers. And he said about two years in, they changed it. Our practice is for golfers, comma, and their families. Because when you establish yourself as an expert and you go, you take some golfer through biomechanical analysis and all this stuff, they realize, holy crap, this guy understands the body better than anybody, right? So when they're like, hey, my wife's neck's killing her, who do they trust to take care of it? You know, and it's like, well, I trust that guy, even though she's not a golfer, I still trust you more than anybody. So yeah, that's going to happen, and that that expertise will just spill over onto those people, and it's fine. You take another at bat, you know. Exactly. I'm in Vegas, and you know we get a ton of people like I'm in here for a week for a convention, and then I'm going back to New Jersey or whatever. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So we get that question all the time, and it's like, should I just tell those people, well, too damn bad, we only do you know, long-term care plans that are in line with the evidence, and one treatment's not going to do anything? Right. Hell no. I'm yeah. glad you came. Happy to help you. Send your friends, you know. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. All right, so you present this three-step plan. Going back to that, you present this three-step plan after you've done the assessment. In your in your experience, are those two separate visits, same same visit? Yes, assessment we do. and report? I mean, our 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 prices and our like plans are not cheap, right? Which means yeah. typically if it's not cheap, people need more time because they need to trust you. And so we build in a process to account for that. Meaning the first phone call that we schedule with a client could be 20 to 30 minutes potentially oh, wow. where we okay. go through a lot of this. And then um, then we do a free discovery visit, a consult, where we go through basically a top-tier SFMA. Physically uh, in your office. Mm-hmm. That's their okay. first step of coming in. That's good. Uh, where we go through, basically we tell the patient it's a three-step process. You're going to mm-hmm. come in. So the, if you're on the phone, the patient will call, hey, we do a discovery visible. What's mm-hmm. that? Three steps. You cut to come in, ask the doctors any questions you have about your injury. They're going to put you through an in-depth movement evaluation, yeah. SFMA, and then they'll discuss with you what they think your best next steps are. And at that point, we've spent about an hour with them, and it's and it's free. So there's no risk on a financial end on their end because, again, we're not cheap, and it is different. And we would rather – I put it on my Instagram the other day – I would rather show you what we can do for you rather than tell you. Now, the back end of that, if you're out there and you do take insurance or your prices are too low, you can't do free sessions because you're going to lose money. We build it in there and that's where the whole sort of the business thing comes in. People will say, you know, in school, don't give away free. And I would say, well, I don't. I build it into the price on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I have one client and he charges so much in his gym. He could give away the Cairo for free. That's yeah. chiropractic where 95% of all his gym members come from. And he charges so much in this gym that you can do it. But I would not tell most people, just give away uh, free clinical care until, you know, and drive into the gym. Yeah. Because it doesn't work that way. And the people that are looking for free chiropractic care also are not the ones who will sign up for a gym. So you can't get caught in that trap, you know? Right. Right. So, and so and so to answer your question, free discovery visit where we have those three steps. If we think we can help them and they would like to, we bring them back for, we call it an evaluation and treatment. And for the clinicians okay. out there, essentially that's a more, it's like a actual like, you know, real exam on someone. And, and clinically mm-hmm. it's really like a, a test and retest situation. And that's why we call it a, um, a, that's why we call it a treatment and eval because we know yeah. testing, retesting is, that's what it is. So if we do a glute bridge with someone or we do a hip hinge or we do soft tissue work, we're going to start with the baseline, do the thing, and then retest it. And it gives our clinicians a chance to say, yeah, I think we really can help you. Or, well, this might take longer because you mm-hmm. didn't respond to anything that I did. And so when we sit down with someone at the end and go through that care plan, we actually have like it's not like we're making it up and pulling out of thin air. We have, we spent an hour and a half with this person already. So we can sit there and look at them and say like, this is what I expect to happen. Or, you know, and again, the the patients that are like chronic pain or something, this is going to take longer and here are the expectations and just Mm -hmm. what we know because we've spent so long with them. And so, you know, I would say one step further than that, you know, we're not perfect in our clinic. Like we have our own issues, but the one thing that I would bet we do better than almost anyone else out there is when a patient says yes to us and they're in, they're in, right? They, we don't get people that drop off, like almost never. I could, I can't remember the last one because we've built in such trust and we've had such a plan with them. And then when they commit and they're ready to go, I mean, they're in, right? And so, yeah. but that's all because of what happened before that. Yeah. And I, I imagine there are some people listening because I've been in this situation personally where for whatever reason, Maybe it's a phase of your life, maybe it's a season of your life, or maybe it's just who you are. Your confidence level is getting in the way of your ability to provide evidence-informed care. What do I mean by that? The evidence clearly states it's, you know, low back pain. It's going to wax and wane, and it's going to, it's most likely going to be a chronic condition. So should you treat it with six visits over two weeks and then wipe your hands of that person? Or should you have a long-term plan? Well, you should have a long-term plan. And long-term can mean whatever you want. You know, I always get in the situation where I tell people like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the evidence does not support a four-week care plan. It just doesn't, you know. Now, if you want to go to a year, I think that's the great thing about a clinic gym is they need way more gym than they need clinic. But you could still tune them up here and there or help their squat get better, or help, you know, help their shoulder overhead mobility through some soft tissue work, adjusting their thoracic spine, getting their neck moving. All those, those things are all great. 
But if they're low on confidence, right? One of the, the do you do you have some tricks you found to get people over that confidence hump? I have I, a couple, but yeah. Uh, um, yes, and I'll talk through those. But I'd like, if I could, I want to sort of take it into objective a little bit for people. Sure. I had a guy just join our program literally yesterday. And on the first call, we were talking about this topic. And he said, well, why have patients that just want to get out of pain? And, you know, you sound like you're doing longer treatment plans and mine are a lot shorter and my mind not charging as much money. And what I said to him, I said, listen, which, like, I, which if that guy was just ballsy enough to tell you, I mean, how many, yeah. how many, what percentage of rehab chiropractors do you think are in that situation? None. A very None. large percent. Yeah. Oh, that are doing that? Yeah, that would actually admit to it. No, That are too low, uh, charging too low and too short. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing, and I always kind of joke with people, but I'm not. I was like, listen, I'm not going to, I don't argue with people. Like it's not, I just don't. And so, I, so what I said to him, I was like, listen, man, I totally see what you're saying. And I actually don't care how you, pra- like I legitimately don't care what you do. However, what I do care about if you're in my program is I'm not going to let you get off this call thinking that you can build the business that you want to build in this way without understanding what it's going to take. And so I said to him, I said, listen, here are our numbers, right? We're half a million dollar clinic. This is what we spend on marketing. This is what we charge. This is how long people stay. This is our lifetime value. If you tell me that you want to get to 500 or whatever, and you are going to charge half the amount and see people half the amount of time, well, we have to have a business plan that works for that. And so now we have to think about doubling or tripling the marketing budget. We've got to think about, we've got to just make sure that the numbers work. And so my marketing director, Hannah, her favorite line with anyone is, um, if it doesn't work on paper, it's not going to work. And this guy yesterday was me when I started. It was just get it off the ground, whatever someone will pay. But I never start stop to think like, okay, but I'd like to get to this point where I have a team and I have this business and all of this. And the what my model was at that moment to where I wanted to go, it was never, ever, ever going to work. And so like, if someone's listening and they're like, he's full of crap and I can't charge that much and my town's different and whatever excuse they have, like, I'm good. Like I'm, but like, I want to make, if you tell me you want half a million, if you want 400, if you want 300, like we have to make sure that we can build that business to get to that point because we're going to work real hard. And I've seen it. That's who joins my program real hard for a really long time. And they're not going to get the results because they never stopped to actually build the business the way they thought. Yeah, that's a great point. A great point. Because um, if, if you, <laughs> the only way that it, it works, you're like, listen, my plan is six days a week, I'll work 16 hours, and there will be no cancellations, and every slot is full of a $35 visit. It's like, okay. okay. I mean, number one, it pencils out, but number two, think about your life at that point. You're going to be motivated and everything to show up. And then the fact is, it, you don't have that many hours and there will be cancellations and there will be all that. So I think that's a great point to work to where I've seen a lot of people really screw it up is they're kind of like, uh, I use the term half pregnant. They're kind of like half in and half out. And so if you think about this, right, think about it. So let's just say highest end of an hour session, let's just call it 300. So that's a lot of money, right? Right. But now we have people, and this was me, they do 30 minute sessions for like 95 or 125 or something like that right? Still not that cheap, not cheap. However, it's not in network cheap. And those are the guys and girls I feel that struggle the most because there are people that are still going to say no because they're more expensive than the cheap option, but they're not making enough money as the expensive option. And so that's the, that's like the death trap right there. You know, the ones that sort of get caught in that middle, like they just, they, they just can't get over the hump. And I see that almost more than anything because they don't want to be, they don't want to be high end and they don't want to be low end and they end up middle. And in any aspect of life, the middle never wins. Yeah. It's like a ABC chiropractic, the, uh, almost the low price leader. Yeah. Not quite yeah. the low price leader, you know, it's, like it's, it's a bad model, man. It's like, I just yeah. read Sam Walton's book and his thing was like, he is going to figure out how to be the discount shopper, right. To make right. it work. And like, and the way they, they basically found out that if we charge a third less for a product, but we sell this much more of it, we'll make a more of a profit. Yeah. That's a great business model. And that's fine if you're going to be right. 20 patients an hour, but if you're two patients an hour, like, you're, you're it's, not us and you're not chiropractic. Them. That's called the joint, right? We, we're not going to do rehab. We don't have time for it. We're not going to do diagnosis. We're, you're just going to come in and get adjusted and move mm-hmm. on. 
and we're going to build a membership because even it's so cheap. We just have to make sure that everybody has is a member for a few months because we can't even make it up if you just pay one time thirty nine dollars or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and they they figured it out, but look at what the the model is not you being a member for one or two months. The the model is you being a member over a long time. Um. To answer your question, because I never answer your question in the beginning, yeah. <laughs> I think, and this is, it, it might not even be the answer you're looking for, but again, it's something I see when I bring it up to people, they're like, you're right. Because um, I used to fall prey to it. The number one tip and trick is to, number one, block out the people around you. And number two, be around people that are doing it. And here's why. A lot of us don't potentially have the internal confidence to go and charge the price that they want. And we need to gain confidence externally. And a lot of us, and I've done this with people in my group before they've joined, like I had a guy that wanted to join Mike and one of, he's like, oh, I'm not, I can't charge that much, new grad, blah, blah, blah. He was about 10 minutes away from another one of our clients who was going to be double the price. I said, I said, Mike, go shadow Jake for the day and then come back to me. He comes back to me, said, "I'm um, thank you for doing that. I watched what he did. Jake's great, but I, I can do what he's doing. So I'm just going to charge what he's charging. And that was, that was the, and that was it. Right. And that was it. And, and the point for me is I think we have to be careful because I fell prey to it too early on my family. Oh, you're not going to take insurance. Well, I would never come to you. And it's like, Oh shit, well, maybe I can't mm-hmm. do this. Or you're 300 bucks or I would never pay that. And it's like, Oh no, Oh my God. And, and we get all this external feedback. We have so much noise around us that again, I'm just telling you, if you listen to it, it'll eventually become true. And for a lot of us, we need to make sure it's like taking your vitamins. It's like eating healthy food. If you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. There's enough crap in this world, inflation, the economy, the political system, the Twitter, whatever, it's going to be negative. And of course, people are going to think because they're scared, right? I've had people that they're wives. Well, none of my friends would come see you. Well, none of your wives are my perfect patients or whatever, like this is ridiculous, but it influences us. And so the number one thing for me is making sure that you are either able to block everything out and just know what you're worth. And if you're not, get around other people that are doing what you want to do because you need to gain confidence from them first until you actually believe yourself. Right. I think it's 100% true. I mean, there's there's no sport in the world where any coach would give the advice of like, try and find a group a little bit the same level you're at or worse and hang around them. It's like run with faster guys, you know, throw with guys who can throw faster or farther or more accurately, uh, you know, do your workouts with guys who are stronger, do all those things. And it just, you just migrate towards that. To your point, when I was in, in chiropractic school, uh, there's a guy going through with us and his dad was a chiropractor, long-term, super successful practice, uh, definitely more subluxation based and everything. But I remember one time we were talking about how much we'll charge and what we want to do. And somebody said like, oh man, I don't know. I don't want to do these uh, like $3,000 care plans. And the tone of his, I don't want to do these $3,000 care plans was that's so much money. And this guy, Brett, like laughed and he said, I don't want to do that either, but I'll definitely do $10,000 care plans. <laughs> I was like, one guy's saying, I, I want to go below 3000 The other guy's saying, I wouldn't do that either. Wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot bowl because you won't make any money doing that. And it's why? Because Brett had worked for seven years in his dad's practice and just saw that $10,000 care plans were the norm, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't hard for him to ask for the money. Now, the type of care is fine, but he was still dealing with the, he still had to present that to every single patient that came in that office. And Brett just saw how successful that was and was like, that's just what a chiropractor does. That's just what I know. So I, I'm glad that your buddy got to see your man Jake there and uh, pull it off. Another tip a- too. I was going to just say a tip that I recently learned that I liked was a line um, uh, this woman used, which was based on the research, here's the care uh, you need, right? Mm. I think when people, again, when they're struggling, sometimes they go, I might be wrong or I don't want to be the one to lead them astray. But if we can base it on an objective third party and say based on the research, because if I say what is a research, again, going back to low back pain. What is the minimum number of treatments or the minimum number of weeks you should treat somebody for chronic low back pain, which is the number one thing we're going to see as chiropractors, right? It ain't four weeks. You know, it's 12 to, to six, 12 weeks to six months because um, it's going to wax and wane and change. Now, that's not saying three times a week for that entire time, but, 
you know, twice a week, down to once a week, down to every other week, down to once a month, that's fine. But based on the research, if you can come up with that and look at what the research says, look at what all these people are telling you, then maybe that helps you get over that hump and saying, based on the research, here's what it says. So it's it's awesome. And another similar concept with maybe different wording that we use. So I think what you said is right. And it is an uncomfortable conversation. Anytime you say, I think you should do this. I believe you should do this. I, I don't like having those conversations with people. It becomes very uncomfortable, right? They feel like, oh, this guy, I don't like that. He's telling me what to do. And we don't want to get people in that position. And so you said the research says this, a kind of like a third party. The line that we use is, my patients tell me, my patients get the best results when, right? Because you can't argue with Josh. Don't argue with me. Like I didn't do it. It's what they told me. Uh, this is what my patients respond best to. So I'm just telling you what they said. Now, if you don't want to believe them, that's fine, but it isn't about me, right? And so that's the line. We, we use it all the time. It's never like, I think you should. Our patients respond best when we do this. They told me that this was the best option for them. And so now it's like, oh, okay, well, he's not telling me, but in his experience, this is what his patients have responded best to. So I like what you said. And for us, similar, I think, concept as to what you were talking about, which is a little bit different different sort of flavor on it. Yeah. If you remember at that Parker Fit uh, event, I I got the lesson when you go into any martial arts studio in the world, what do they always have up on the wall? They always have the belts. And nobody asks about the second or third belt in, right? <laughs> There's only one color that's asked about, and it's the black belt. And you could look at that and say, how do I become a black belt? Well, what you're saying is our most successful students come in three days a week and do privates on Saturdays. Our most successful students or our students that have reached black belt the fastest did this. Whatever it is, it ain't going to be once every other week for four weeks and you're good or whatever, you know, and we undersell ourselves so many times. And again, I want people out there to know, like Justin has admitted he did it too. I have done it too. Like this isn't, you know, we're not starting from the mountaintop going, oh, yeah, it was just an easy path. Hell no, it's hard. It's really hard. But you have to get to that, you know, Kevin Christie always says, if, if you're not hitting 300 bucks an hour of office revenue, the hours you're open, your model's not quite right. Like something's wrong. You just got to figure out what it is. Maybe you need more new patients. Maybe you need to go longer care plans, something. But <clears throat> that $300 mark seems to hold true almost every Downtown Chicago, downtown New York, it's going to be 700 probably, right? Got to be. Yeah, but in most places, that $300 mark. So if you're the only Cairo and you're charging 50 bucks for a half hour, it just will not work. By the way, I talked to a guy yesterday in Australia, and he said, hey, mate, we should get you in Australia, but same stuff there, right? Hey, I do a rehab-based practice, 30 minutes, $60, $60 equivalent a session. And he's like, I just get so annoyed because the guy down the street sees a seven patients an hour, and he's charging $60 a session. And I was like, well, mate, that's not good. Like, that's a problem, <laughs> right? That's a yeah. problem. So, all right. So, uh, confidence, a, a good tip you had is our best patients do this. Our patients tell us do this. So put on that third party, yes. or you could say based on the research, here's the plan you need. Yeah. All right. So you present a three-step plan, right? And then you have these lines. Can you share with us a couple, I'm trying to think of the right words here because I don't want to scare people away, but closing lines to go, they are committed and we are committed and we're moving forward. You right. say, uh, that's what it will be and you just move forward. Do you ask for a response? Do you ask for a signature? What's the thing that gets, because you, what I, I hope people pick up on, when Justin's saying people do not leave their care plan, you have gold there. You know, if you're not getting cancellations and no-shows or people trailing off, you have gold there. So what's the commitment step? Um, people like, People like choices, but not too many. And so when we present them with their options, we say you have three different options that you could choose from. I recommend based on what you showed today, this option, whatever amount of sessions that is, is that what you'd like to do? And at that point, if they say, oh, let me think of like, we know there's an objection and we have to handle it. If they say yes, great, right? But here are your three options. I don't think you need this. I don't think you need this. Based on what you showed me today, this is your best option. Is that something you'd like to do? They say yes. We just, we go on. Now, if let's say they do say yes and it's easy and there's no real objection or, or I have to think about it or anything like that, we train on what happens next. 
because we've seen the ball get fumbled from the snap to the quarterback to the handoff, right? And so then we literally train, okay, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to bring you out to uh, our front desk, uh, Lauren. She's going to go ahead and do two things with you. She's going to help you decide which options best for you that you'd like to pay with. And she's going to make sure you schedule all your sessions so that uh, you can get all the times that you'd like going forward. And then we bring them out to the front. And then here's the next part, right? First of all, you're standing with the patient. Psychologically, you're on their team. And this is at the front desk. Out, you did it in the room, shoulder to shoulder with the patient. So it's me, the patient next to me, and then our admin, Lauren, is on the other side. So you two, uh, Team Justin, is facing the admin, Yep. right? You're facing her as a team. Yeah, okay, I can picture it. So the next line is this, right? Hey, Lauren, super excited. Sally has agreed Sally has agreed that 18, that the 18 session package is the right one for her. Um, I told her exactly what's going to happen. And I told her what her next steps are and that you're going to work out with her, the payment and the, um, this, uh, the scheduling and all that. And so Mm -hmm. she's going to get all of her appointments on the schedule so that she's got a busy schedule. She can get everything that works for her. Sally, uh, we're going to see you back one more time this week, but Lauren's going to take it from here. If you have any Mm -hmm. questions, blah, blah, blah. But the key there is you walk out, Sally agreed. Sally agreed to this. Now, the next part, the next part. So of you're this, you're almost that patient's advocate at that point. Exactly, exactly. Like the next part is this, and it didn't happen last week. I heard it, but it, it's supposed to. If we say Sally agreed to eighteen, pass it off, hand it off to the admin, and she says, "All right, well, what, tell me exactly what you like to do." And the patient says, "Oh, like maybe I'll maybe maybe I'll do ten, or maybe I'll do 12. And the the admin is supposed to say because this is true, guys. If we're prescribing something to a patient and they agree to it and they say, I'd like to do something else, like that's not the prescription. And so the admin say, oh, like, hold on a sec. I want to make sure that this is okay with the doctor. This is what they prescribed. Let me bring him back up here. Right? It's like the example you, the first time I was on a podcast, I still use this story. I told you how we go through our process. And you said to me about a friend that unfortunately had cancer and that they went to the place and they got a system and a process and and everything they did before they ever started it. Now, under no circumstance, are they going to get to the end of that day and say, you know what? I know you mentioned six months of chemo, but I'm only going to do three. It's not going to work that. It's like, hold on. Like, this is, we missed something here. Like, we're trying to save your life and you want to do half the amount that we want. Now, Again, I'm not saying we're saving people's lives, but I think we should take ourselves seriously. Like if we're prescribing somebody something and we're asking them for a commitment and we have a plan in place for them and then they only want to do 10 and we think it's going to take 18, like what are we doing, guys? If you want to be, if you want to be um, respected in the profession, you have to be a professional. And so that's why it's that strict in our office because we, we take ourselves very seriously. And we want the patient to take it too. So there is no, oh, I just want an adjustment. There is no, I'm going to do 12 instead. Of, like, this is not how this works. This is not how this works. If we miss something, if you don't understand, we will take as long as it takes to explain it to you and have that conversation. But we are not going to play this game of like, what if they just want an adjustment? It's like, well, that's not what we do. That's not what we're doing here. And we have to be able right. to look someone in the eye like this and say, we must have missed something. Let's have a conversation about it. Yeah. So you make the, Prescriptive recommendation, you go to the front desk, you stand with the patient, Sally has agreed mm-hmm. to do X 18 session player plan. Yeah. And right. we're going to start it twice a week and you're going to schedule all your sessions before you, you know, leave today type of thing. Yeah. That one threw me for a while. The you're going to schedule blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> I don't, I don't want to admit it, but it, uh, as soon as you start saying that, like, let's get them all scheduled. Or what I try and encourage people to do is if there is if we can do every Tuesday, Thursday at 10 a.m., whatever time you're at right now, you know, time and day you're at right now, if if that works well for you, I want to ensure that there are no gaps so you can get better, we can get better results as fast as possible. People, you see a change in their demeanor and they commit to it, you know? It's it, they now have blocked it mentally on their mind, like, hey, this is what I do. Just like they commit to a basketball league every Thursday at 6 p.m. Guess what? Miraculously, they commit to it. Now, other Thursdays where they're kid things and school things and work things and staying late and, you know, going home and cleaning the garage. Yes, all those things were there. But now they've gone, well, let me just like Moses part in the Red Sea. Like, I'm just going to carve out stuff here to be here Tuesday, Thursday at 10. And and again, like we this is how we teach it because this is what we want. 
80% of the time. If someone comes in and it's like, well, I have my schedule through the next month or two, or now it's like, I'm going back to the office and ain't no problem. We'll schedule out till then. And when you come back, we'll get the yeah. rest on the life happens. I think, I think the, the biggest point here is to make sure that we it's, it's, we're doing it uh, for them, not to them. Right. We're doing it for them, not to them. Like people have busy, busy lives. And so stuff comes up, work comes up, family comes up, all these things come up. And so I would rather them put it on their calendar, get it blocked out now because we know that life is going to happen. And so we got, they have a better shot to have be successful and we have a better shot to actually get them a result. The more committed they are. And I don't, again, it's like, it's like if you have the gym, let's say you have the clinic gym. How are you going to be better if someone shows up three times a week for their workouts or if they skip every third workout? Like, why are we any different? I, that's the part that I can't understand. Like, we do all these things and we're just, up to the gym, it's okay, but not in our office. Like, we don't want to tell people to be there on time often. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very tough, I think, as the person providing the care. Here's my hunch. If you go to a seminar and you learn something, you're like, oh, people should do this much care or they should get this much input or where we should do rehab with every client. If you are the person to provide that, it's really hard to change your habits. If you're a clinic director and you're just assigning your minions to do it, it's super easy to go, yep, that's what the research says. I'm going to do it, right? When the research conflicts with like what you have done, it's harder to go, this is what I should do. Or what, not just the research. I'm saying that as like a placeholder, but you know, when, when you're like, I cognitively agree that all the facts have been presented and that should be the plan. 18, Sally should take the 18 visit plan more than any other plan. But when you are the one that has to deliver it, it's like, well, I'm going to let her, this one I'll let her dictate, you know? I guess the part for me going back to the clinic director side that I would ask you is what's the implementation and execution of that going to be if the person from the top doesn't actually believe it? No, no, I'm saying the clinic director believes it. Mm. I'm saying when there's a separation from the person delivering the care and the person who has to cr uh, create the methods of which you'll be in line with the research, when there's a difference there, it's very easy to cleanly accept, yes, this is what should happen, and that's what we will now build into our plan, versus if you have always done a come in when you want to, blah, 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 and you go to a seminar where they're saying, here's 17 different articles that say you should do a six-month care plan. And you agree with all 17. And you go, yeah, they were done well, blah, 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 blah. Going back to your clinic, getting you to do a six-month care plan is still harder than if you just have to tell people, you know, what to do. Yeah. So, I, anyways. you know, I think we always say in business, which problem do you want? Like you're, you're it's gonna you're you're gonna struggle. We're all gonna struggle with something. Like yeah. you're not gonna be devoid of problems. And so, yeah. do we're gonna struggle to kind of communicate this? I get it. But then, what's the downside of that? Well, we're broke mm -hmm. and unhappy. Or we can and patients are gonna flake on us, and we're not gonna get outcomes. Or we can have a hard conversation and understand that might people might push back and say no and do all those things. But the upside it is potentially way way greater for us. Yeah. Or have that hard conversation with your wife, like, hey, we we can't afford a new house or we can't have a baby yet because we don't have the money for it because I'm charging $45 for every 15 minutes and it's just not making enough, you know? That's another tough conversation. So <laughs> you get to choose. I like your point. You get to choose it. I want to go back one one story that illustrated to me how important that handoff is at the front desk and that commitment step. The reason I use that language, I was at a seminar with Tom Plummer, who's all in the fitness business, right? Like he knows the fitness business inside and out. But one thing he made a point of at one of the seminars is having that commitment step. He said, so many boutique, small gyms, you, you do an eval, you do an assessment with somebody, you go, hey, Justin here wants to sign up for our three time a week thing. And then when you walk them up to the front desk or at the end of that assessment, there's this very soft, non-committal, all right, buddy, so... You know, you want to come back on Monday or Tuesday, you know, four o'clock's when we offer the class. There is no hard step of committing. And what he said is his group did some research about when you walk that person to the front and they hand over their credit card and it gets charged, their internal commitment level goes up. It's not just, it's their sign that I am committing to this weight loss journey. I am committing to getting stronger. I am committing to running this marathon or 5K when they pay. If you don't have them pay or you say, just come back next week, 
<clears throat> they lose their commitment. So we need to honor the fact that they're ready to commit by taking that money and, and co- committing them to it. You know, like he gave the example of, can you imagine if rock and roll marathons are like, yeah, just pay, pay up on race day. Like when you show up, just show up with a check. Like that would never occur. People sign up and then start training, right? They don't ever train and then go, well, I'm going to sign up here. Like it's just, it's a crazy thought outside of that. The reason I bring that up is so many of the the gyms that I work with, like the doctor will say, I want this person to sign up for the gym. They'll go from the clinic to the gym. They go to the front desk and the person's like, cool. I don't know. You want to just show up? It's like, take the money. Take it yeah. now. Swipe. Let them commit to you. Allow them to do that. Honor their, their psych. They're making a commitment. They want to be honored. Take their money because that's your sign of a commitment as well. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, people that pay, pay attention, right? And so yeah. the thing that one of my pet peeves, and it even happens still in our office that I've always seen is typically the people we care about the most get the worst treatment because they're not going to pay or pay the most. And so instead of a care plan, they'll come in one-offs or when the schedule's open and all that. You know, I knew that. And when I first opened my chiro and acupuncture practice with my partner at Dr. Allison, she's a phenomenal practitioner. And I was struggling with some back stuff as I was actually getting into golf more. And so I, I made an appointment with her and I got an appointment and then we did a few more. And what I saw was, and rightfully so, she would fit me in where she had an opening, right? If she mm. was blocked or she would move me and all that, not to her fault. I wasn't paying. So the next appointment that I had, this is a true story. I literally owned the business. The next appointment I had, I wrote her a check. I think it was like 1000 1500 And I was like, listen, like I, I need your help. I want to be on the schedule. I want to be treated like a regular patient. Here's the money. Take it, like put it, like I want to do this. Like, so take my money like, to your point, like honor me like I'm a true, a real patient and I want you to feel like you're being paid for your work. So I, I literally paid her for uh, my own business because I, that it was that important to me. And so, you know, again, it's like, I think, I've started to understand the better we are at selling, the better we are at buying. And that was a moment for me where I understood, like, I understand the sales process and to your point, how to buy and that people will commit. And I wanted to commit to it and I wanted her to commit to helping me. And it it ended up, you know, I've been great ever since. It was something that's helped me tremendously. It was such a valuable thing that I did. And she showed up in a different way for you too. I mean, she gave me great care either way. I mean, the, the thing was, it was, again, she would, she would put in a paid, uh, like she should, she's trying to make a living getting the business off the ground. So unpaid versus someone trying, new patient trying to get in that could pay her a couple thousand. Of course you're going to make, that's a business decision, right? They call in the NFL, a business decision to get out of bounds, but that's a business decision. Like she should make that. So I wanted her to make a business decision that would help me as well. And so I paid for it. Yeah, man. Justin, I want to talk today about workshops and referrals, and we haven't even scratched the surface. So, um, uh, any chance you have time for a part two? If we keep sure. going, sure, whatever you need, yeah. whatever you need. All right, well, let's let's end this one. If people listen to this one, we'll we'll start recording a part two. But uh, how can people get a hold of you if they're like this guy's singing my language? I I want to I want to work with him. I would say the two places on Instagram, my name at Justin Rabinowitz, it's all business content. And within that, we have links to my podcast, which seems to be doing pretty well. Business Mm -hmm. school for the rehab chiropractor. I would say those would be the two that I would start with. All right. Fantastic. And you should be able to pop down in the show notes and find those two things. So we're going to cut this episode and we're going to jump into a part two. So definitely listen next week to that part two. But on behalf of Justin Rabinowitz, this is Josh Satterley saying, go out there maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks, brother. Yep. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.